Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say, one thing within the next day. Alright guys, the winter meetings are past us. It's getting to the point in the offseason where we really start counting down the days until when pitchers and catchers report. But the Pirates, even though they've done some stuff, there are still some holes to fill. But it's it's a time that I just kind of wanted to sit down and talk to somebody who was who was Thick in the mud, he was deep in the woods or the weeds or whatever it would be uh, during this past week and uh, just was running around and doing everything he could to get, uh, I guess, to keep track of all the players the Pirates lost in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. Uh, Today uh, at the 9-foot homemade oak bar, we have Alex J. Stump. That's at Alex J. Stump on Twitter. Pirates beat reporter for DK Pittsburgh Sports. He has his own show, uh, the podcast to be named later. If you're not listening to it on Saturday mornings, uh, you need to be doing yourself a favor in doing that. Alex, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Alex. Uh, we uh, I, we had met in person. Uh, I think it was like back in. Uh, January of last year at Mike's Beer Bar had some great conversations and, and not that I was avoiding having you on it's just that sometimes Chris and I uh, we get lost in everything that's going on with the Pirates and maybe complaining too much a little bit but I- I'm glad that we could have you on here to talk about you know some of the moves uh, the Pirates have made and you know some of the big news that's out there and you know number one big news on the table right now is Vince Velasquez, is he a starter or is he a reliever? I mean, that's what every Pirates fan is talking about right now. There's no other news out there. It's all about Vince and what he's going to be as a Pirate. What do you think, Alex? I mean, we're, we're not going to get a definitive answer until the physical is passed and, you know, he actually puts pen to paper and the contract is official, which as of recording here on Friday or Monday, afternoon uh it hasn't happened yet the indication i've been given is that he's going to have a chance to compete for a rotation spot and look some of that is expected a swingman isn't going to sign with a 100 loss team in december to be a swingman or a reliever again if they feel like they can be a starter and there are some traits some pitches in there that 
do scream that he can still be a starter in this league. The report I got is like, he's got the stuff. It's, it's the mental side of the game. It's, you know, just making sure he's in the right headspace for everything. So there's maybe some potential there for him to start. Hearts went into this offseason looking for a couple guys who could be in that mix because I, I don't think any of the real top prospects have that great of a shot of making the opening day roster. So he's going to get a look there, I, I think. I If I had to put money on it, I'd say right now he's in the rotation to start the season. Yeah, and he was uh, picked up by the White Sox last year uh, to have a spot in the rotation. And, you know, what people, if they hadn't, you know, gotten into it a lot or, you know, just even looked into it a little bit is that the reason he kind of fell out of the rotation, yeah, he wasn't performing, you know, the best as a starter, 5.26 ERA, 39 and a third innings. Uh, Chris and I always look at whip. It was like a, actually not a terrible whip. It was like a 1.398. So it's kind of like a, a back end rotation piece. Um, but he did deal with some injuries. I, th- I think there was something like a groin going on. And then, you know, the dreaded blister on your, your pitching finger, you know, on a throwing finger uh, that kind of went and, and put him into a reliever. People will look, they'll see 4.25 ERA over 36 innings, a 1.056 whip. So, I mean, I think that he still believes that he has the stuff to start. He does have a decent pitch mix. And the other piece is that, like you said, it's it's that headspace for him. He's always been seen, for as long as I can remember, as a guy who just never really broke through and had that potential to do so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I remember whenever he was really young and how he was this young, promising pitcher for the Phillies and how he was going to be, you know, number three in the league, and it just never happened. Now, I, I will also say here that it's a very similar situation that, like, Quintana was in last year, where Quintana was more or less a swing man, didn't really earn a rotation spot with the Angels. But the Pirates identified the fastball. They identified some things that they could change mechanically, emphasize some new pitches like the changeup, and it, and it really worked out well. They might have something like that with Velasquez. The fa- like I said, the fastball is there. They have something that they can potentially build around. So, I don't know. I don't think anyone was really that hyped about Quintana either, you know, this time last year. Not to say that Velasquez is going to turn out as as wonderfully as that did, but, you know, the Pirates have a decent track record right now with guys who are kind of in that mold, in that same mold. So I, I'm not that surprised that they rolled the dice again. Yeah, and I think the, the big thing for people, um, even more than, you know, just the signing itself um, it's that we still don't have a lefty. So I think that's what people were assuming is that, okay, when we sign a pitcher, it's it's going to be a lefty. Like when we sign a, what we think is going to be a starting pitcher, because we did get some lefties, but when it was going to be a, a somebody for, you know, fighting for the rotation, it was automatically going to be that lefty. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a necessity for this team. I mean, having a lefty in the rotation is obviously a plus, but... I mean, if you have a three-game series with the team, there's a 40% chance you're going to just send out you know, right-handed pitchers anyway. Yeah. So it's, it, it is what it is right there. I mean, it's one of those, it could be a boost. PNC Park is obviously built for left-handed pitchers as a way to like neutralize the left-handed hitters. 
with that big left center also. But if it doesn't happen, they're not going to strain, you know, to make it happen. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm looking at it with, like, you know, Velasquez being signed, you know, there's pitchers just keep on coming off the board. Like, everybody wanted Mania. Uh, the Pirates, you know, supposedly had interest in Gibson. You know, is was his price tag a, a little bit too high for somebody who kind of was still maybe going to have to try to prove it anyway? And if, if Velasquez is going to have to prove it, maybe get it for a little bit cheaper of an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see out there that, you know, you had written down and reported that, that they were going uh, – after somebody, but once it became like a two-year deal, and I think he had to the Yankees yeah. uh, for, I think it was like two years, $11.5 million, that that just kind of, you know, went out the window a little bit. Yeah. And Kenley is a different situation because he's coming off of injury. He didn't pitch a whole lot last year. I, I get the Pirates' hesitation for not wanting to give him a multi-year deal because if, if he gets hurt or something again, it's like, well, not that five and a half or six million, whatever the AAV is, is this big, you know, un, unsurmountable amount that they lost. But it, it does hurt. It does hurt. But yeah, from from what I heard, there is a clear preference for the one year deals. They've got some pitchers coming up, like Priester and Burroughs and Luis Ortiz. Like there, there are some really good young pitching right now. And if they find the right guy, I'm sure they go multi year. I think Katana could have been someone who was the right guy, but they weren't going to go up to that asking price for him, obviously, what the Mets gave him. So I, I don't know. I think they do have what's in Indianapolis very much in mind with the pitchers that they're targeting here. Because Velazquez, like we said, he pitched out of the bullpen last year. We saw it with uh, Juan Nicasio at one point. If at some point he's not exactly clicking as a starter, you can move him to the bullpen and call up one of the kids. Like Quintana, Burroughs, Ortiz, those guys are very much in mind with what other, whatever pitching plans they got going on right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of took the the quote uh, from Ben Charrington and 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 put it like almost across the board, and and it it was a question about pitching, and and he basically said, I don't know if we will, we could if we wanted to, and people are saying, well, they could spend more if they wanted to. No, they, they could if they wanted to. There probably are people out there they could get on a one-year deal, but would it fit? Is it something that, you know, they're seeing? Like, who knows what that exactly would mean? And it's like if the right matches line up. And so they want to walk that, almost like that fine line of having pitchers and, and even like a, an Oviedo who, you know, we saw get stretched out a little bit last year. And him being in that place, uh, you know, a Bryce Wilson, I, I don't know if they are ready to give up on him just yet because whenever he goes down to triple A, he starts to shine. He comes back up. There's, you know, some good things that you're still seeing, but then you'll see a, a terrible outing, you know, a Zach Thompson. Is that somebody that, you know, could, I don't know, just be the pitcher he was. Is optionable. Yeah. That, that's something that, I'm not saying that's the plan, but, you know, just my reading of, the situation it's like that that could be his future is like the up and down this next year yeah and and people i mean don't they kind of forget sometimes that zach thompson before he was injured last year um at the beginning of the season was one of the more reliable pitchers and it was looking like hey maybe something's going to turn out here 
So it's just like kind of keeping those options open. So if you have like, say, a Bryce Wilson, a Zach Thompson, a, a, a Vince Velasquez, if you have them fighting for like your four and fives, that's not really like a terrible thing with having maybe an Oviedo, an Ortiz, a Priest, or a Burroughs, somebody else like that forcing their way into the rotation and moving some guys to the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, that is that is going to be... I mean, again, not knowing exactly what's going on there, I think Bryce Wilson is a candidate to do what they did with, you know, Will Crow last year and, and DeYoung. Is maybe he's a multi-inning guy because I at least see that second pitch now with that new splitter. Like, if that, if that really clicks, I can see him kind of clicking a little bit in that bullpen role it's just okay we're going sinker splitter this is this is your life now occasionally occasionally we'll dust off a breaking ball but this is what we're gonna go with and there's some stuff there uh but yeah no i i agree they do have options they do have some level of depth and depending on how you feel about the prospects some level of upside with this group too maybe not exactly in 2023 but in a year or two whenever these guys are more developed. So I, I think that's, it's an interesting group. And, and like I said, they are making sure there is a path cleared for those rookies. They, and it's not just the pitching. It's a lot of the guys who were in Altoona last year, finished up in Indianapolis for some of them. Yeah, They, and, they are very much in mind of what they're trying to do here in 2023. Yeah. And, and I mean, just even like a player like that, I was worried might get picked up in, in the rule five in a Cody Bolton um, who, Finally pitched, mm-hmm. you know, not because of any reason, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. There was not a season. Then he got injured, but hadn't pitched and is, is finally kind of at least built up to the starter swing man slash, you know, whatever it would be, whatever role he would have on the team. But I, I feel like that, you know, Charrington, a lot of times it's seeing how many innings there are in a season and seeing how you can fill out those innings. And I, I feel like in some ways he's done a good job in that aspect because, I mean, there's been pieces of the bullpen that have that have gone away. Um, but then, I mean, you, you trade uh, Newman, you get back Dowry Moretta, you know, a, a bullpen piece. Uh, you go out and you sign uh, Harleen Garcia. I love his nickname, The Elephant. As as a bullpen piece, and then you go into the Rule Five and you get a left-handed flamethrower in Jose Hernandez, who you know does have a little bit of the the walk concern, has a decent amount of strikeouts. But like I said, I look back to that WHIP and it was one point two zero seven across you know two levels last year, and is just a big boy. So they've you know they're they're focusing on pitching. It might not be the pitching that we as fans, you know, want them to focus on at times, but they're definitely focusing on pitching. Yeah. yeah and that's something that I, I put in Friday Insider right before the winter meetings. Like they, I said, look, they're looking at pitching and they're probably going to leave with a couple pitchers and they left with three. And it's something that they identified. They really wanted to add more swing and miss to this bullpen, which Hernandez and Garcia definitely profile as guys who can get a, a decent strikeout rate as left-handed pitchers. Velasquez, if he does go end up end up in the bullpen either at the beginning of the year or later in the year, like I said, he's got the four seamer. They're they're trying to find ways to get more of of those swings and misses, and I, I think so far, I, I think this is 
every move that they've made this offseason, I don't think you'd be hard pressed to say any move that they've made so far is a bad move. Like they might not be the sexiest or like big swing moves or anything, but they've been a series of sensible, smart moves that make the 2023 team better while keeping the window open for the future. And I know that's not particularly the most exciting thing to hear after a 100 loss season, but it does indicate it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Whatever you're focusing on now and without keeping, you know, there's definitely been focus on what's going on in the minor leagues, but I think in previous years it's come at the expense of the current major league team. This year it's at least they're adding more to that group. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. I think we, we kind of started to touch on the Rule 5. I mean, we were talking about Jose Hernandez um, a little bit, and, you know, people were thinking, you know, we're going to lose possibly lose Malcolm Nunez weird, you know, with me, my big thing was, I thought maybe like a Cody Bolton wasn't top on, on the list. Uh, Gary on, on our site, uh, we had written, you know, maybe we forgot about Blake Sable and, and for Sable, for me, it was, it was more of a heart than a head that maybe I would have protected him, but you know, the Reds pick him up for the giants and the uh, he's, he's out in San Francisco now. So was, was that like, I don't think that was much as a surprise to you because I believe when you were out in the Arizona Fall League, that was like a name that was kind of buzzing around. Yeah, yeah. I, I went into that Rule 5 draft with the expectation that Blake Sable was going to be taken by someone. I didn't know who, but it was one of those like, you know, he is the most likely to be taken and it's probably, it's a probability instead of just a possibility. So I, I came in with that and look from from my point of view with the expect with the expectation that he was heading out anyway just losing him was the best case scenario so i sable i i threw this out there i can't remember exactly where but like he's a 26 player he's someone who could catch a little bit he could go in the outfield a little bit he's a left-handed pinch hitter he's a really great clubhouse guy you know guys you know love him in general I we're we're not supposed to root for players, but he's just such a good dude. I I hope he clicks, you know, in the major leagues with now that he's got this opportunity. But it's not like this monumental loss for the organization. This whole thing wasn't hinging on, you know, Blake Sable, which Rule Five, 
very rarely does that happen. If you do have those big time prospects, you you hang on to them. They hung on to Andy. They hung on to Mike Burroughs. Major League Porsche, though, I do think they got lucky because whether it's a Cody Bolton, whether it's a Tanaj Thomas, whether it's a Malcolm Nunez, there are some guys who I think could be good players at the major league level that they hung on to and they didn't have to give up a roster spot to yet, which is the best of both worlds. It gives you some opportunity to sort through a couple other spots that you have currently because there is a little bit of a roster crunch going on at the moment. Yeah, and, and one thing, I mean, you were talking about protecting. So, I mean, everybody would probably, I mean, their mind would obviously go to uh, the conversation Ben Sherrington had after the Rule 5 draft was over, both the major and minor league portions, where he said, you know, kind of maybe we didn't think about it enough or we, we're going to have to go back and think about that a little bit more because it came out that they had protected, I believe it was 31 players on that triple a, I call it like the triple a reserve list. I don't know if the technical name is for it. Nobody really knows uh, outside of major league baseball and outside of the clubhouse, like kind of who's on it. Um, but they only had 31 players protected. And this is like how much it was a shock to people is that you know my brother-in-law who is a White Sox fan texted me immediately after uh the rule five draft had concluded and he goes did I read it right that you guys lost 12 players in the rule five and he was talking about minor league and major league but he's it still was enough for him to say I'm gonna reach out to Craig and see what's going on here yeah it, it was a lot and I, but I will say right here, of those 11 minor league guys, most nine, ten of them are never going to reach the major leagues again. Like, let's just say what it is. A lot of those guys are just taken to fill a spot on a minor league roster. Maybe they are extreme depth or anything, but they didn't lose any real prospects of note. Like, is anyone really on the Jared Oliver hype train anymore? I mean, I wish I still was, but I'm 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 not. I, I like Jared. I like Jared. It's like, and I don't mean that as a diss, but it was one yeah. of those like he's not going to click in the major leagues here. Yeah, and he has I mean, no I, trade value, so okay. Yeah, we're we're basically on the same on the same page there. I mean, Jared, just a, a very likable guy, and and whatever. But you know, I think that people saw his name and was just like, okay, well now all of us gone. And then, yeah. I mean, people like even like a a, a Trey Magoo, like I love that dude. I I. I do a, you know, a little prospect blog that, you know, I, I put out there from time to time and I'm, I was rooting for him, but what a lot of people didn't know is that he was injured for, you know, most of the part of the end of last year. So it, you don't know like where he's at in his rehab. There's not like a lot of different stuff, like a, a Joe Jakes, which no offense to Joe. I always pronounced his name like probably like that he was, you know, French or so. I was like Joe Quest. I, I, I went. Too. I know. <laughs> I, my big. Yeah. That was my big, you know, curtain reveal moment of like, it's Jake's, not Jacques. Yeah. So I, I had no idea. But I mean, he was injured for the beginning of last year, 27 years old. You know, didn't pitch terribly, but it, it was somebody that, you know, they maybe saw they. If they lost him, it wouldn't be the biggest deal. Maybe, you know, sometimes these players get released again. They're signed on minor league. Who knows what will happen? I mean, everybody, including myself, because I liked Bo Solcer, you know, complained that 
they didn't give him enough a shot. And then you look and Bo Solskjaer's back, you know, at times. So you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then Bo Solskjaer goes, uh, was it Japan or Korea? Uh, I can't remember which one it was and, and good for him. Do you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it, you never know what's going to happen on this, but yeah, I mean, I think that there were, you know, some of the people that are, that are completely in, you know, in tune to the, to the minors. Uh, there were some names like, uh, you know, Joe Ovius, uh, Del Rosario, uh, Wilkes and mm-hmm. Ramos, uh, Emmanuel Mejia, who was, you know, the reliever of the year. Um, you hear these names and it's like, well, man, why are they gone? But then you also have to look, okay, at some point in time, the, the people who were in the Florida complex league last year and the people that were in Bradenton are going to have to find their way up to Greensboro. The, the people yeah. that are coming yeah. from the DSL are going to have to find their way into probably the, you know, the Florida complex. It's, there's going to be that movement. Um, and so I, I think the biggest thing was, you know, do you want to be the one to decide, you know, when these people get cut or do you want other teams to choose from who you decide not to protect? If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's also, and on, is it January 15th? It's, it's, it's middle of January 15th or 16th. I can't remember when the new international signing period comes through. The guys sign all these players and you have a 180-person reserve list, so they're going to have to cut others. Right now, they just open up spots without having to, you know, cut someone else. It's it's basically sorted out for. It is what it is. Like, it, I get people have, you know, the spidey sense whenever they see, like, 11 people taken in minor league rule five. Pirates screwed up somehow. And But it's like, look, this is, this is minor. It's maybe not even really a screw up because it, it might have coincided with other plans they wanted to do. They had two guys out on waivers, and it's like, well, we have to keep at least two spots open for them in case they clear. We have to keep a couple spots open for the minor league creations we want to sign. It's There are a lot of different factors that go into it. It is it is what it is. It's not that big a deal, I promise everyone. If Trey Magoo reaches the major leagues and makes a couple major league starts, you're not going to be heartbroken that it wasn't for the Pittsburgh Pirates. do have to talk about the elephant in the room you know before you jump off here when are the pirates getting a catcher uh at some point some point it's it's going to happen they are not going to go in the next year with just what they have on hand it kind of sounds like that if jason delay or tyler heideman if he comes back are, are the backup opening day it's it's not the end of the world They'd, they'd be okay with that, even though neither one of them is currently on the roster. But, you know, there's always a spot or two that opens up during spring training because of 60-day ILs and whatever. Roberto Perez is very much in play, and I, I still see him being the most likely outcome here. The, he, he loved it here. The clubhouse absolutely loved him. He, he wants to keep playing organizations had some talks with him already um, earlier on this offseason. Nothing that I, I really don't have anything new that new to the table to be like, yeah, this is definitely going to happen. It's just kind of what 
we've all known for a couple weeks at this point. That's like Perez is very high up on the priority list for catcher. I, I, I think that's going to be what ends up happening. Yeah. And I, I think that's the direction that everybody's heading. And, and it, you know, that they, there was the news out there that they you know had shown some interest in, in Tucker Barnhart, not surprising. You know, it's, it's a name that a lot of people have thrown out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they would, if I would say, you know, they're in, interested in, you know, Omar Navarez, it, it wouldn't surprise me. There's, there's just a lot of things I, that out one, there. That one would a little bit for me too, just because I think he's going to get a multi-year deal. And, and the same thing that we talked about with the starting pitching, this catching position is Endies and Henrys going forward. They are the guys. And I, I don't see them wanting to go beyond one year with the catcher okay. for that reason. But Roberto, is that like a maybe a sticking point right now? Because that was the thing that came out in the beginning is that Roberto was hopefully looking for a second year, and and could that be something they could just work as a, an option? Um, th- this isn't sourced reporting at this. This is just my gut. I I think that ship has sailed. I think he recognizes that he's going to have to take a one year deal. The best he could hope for would be like a one year in some sort of club option. Yeah, with a buyout. Okay. Okay. I, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I just know that. And, and here's the thing is, is like, and why wouldn't he for saying he wants a multi-year deal? I'm sure he does. Yeah. He's two years away from getting fully, you know, getting a full pension. Of course he's going to want a two year deal. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not a dumb man. And, and, and we know that because he's worked with some of the best pitching staffs. He's, he's a gold glove catcher and you know, he's stuck around the minor leagues for this. I mean, the major leagues for this long. So I mean, yeah, it's it, who wouldn't want that, you know, that two-year deal. But one more thing, Alex, you you know, I have to ask this: when people are talking about market value and respecting market value, do you see a difference between the market value of a person who has team control and the market value of a person who is a free agent? And you know what this is probably in relation to: it's whenever a yeah. new contract comes out. Everybody says that Reynolds should get the market value, the value of a Nimmo, a, a, a value of the Bogarts. Uh, you, you can look at Nimmo, and that's uh, a fair comp, I think, player talent-wise, because Nimmo, whenever he's healthy, has been a 5 war player. That's more or less what Brian has been whenever he's healthy in his career. Both of them have like a, a weird albatross year or two on there that's kind of weighing maybe them down from getting like a George Springer type deal. But whenever it comes to a potential Reynolds extension, theoretical Reynolds extension, you also have to keep in mind, he's got two years of arbitration still remaining. So whatever contract he signs, that's going to bring down the value with it because he's not going to get fair market value in those years. So that's, that does play a factor into anything. Now you could say, okay, those two arbitration years, and then we want the same AAV that Brandon Nimmo got over X amount of years. But whenever you do have team control, it it's literally a point in favor of the team, whatever it comes into any of those negotiations. It does bring the asking price down. Not to mention, it also guarantees the player X amount of money. If they were to get hurt, you know, whenever they're still in arbitration years, the team could let them go and just absolutely tank their value with it also. So they also don't get fair market value that way, and they also don't get fair market value because of what's going on here. But whenever Nimmo signs a $160 million deal, yeah, that does 
raise it raises the waters for every center fielder in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it raises it. Unfortunately, it raises it, like you said, past the arbitration years. It, it, it may, it may raise the, you know, a- average annual value for the free agent years that they would, you know, hypothetically or potentially be buying out, but it doesn't really raise those last two. Unfortunately. I mean, I think that that's where people get stuck is that in these types of discussion is that, it's either you're saying Brian Ryan Reynolds is is a good player or isn't a good player, and I don't think that anybody's disagreeing with the fact that Brian Reynolds is a very good ball player. Oh yeah, he definitely is, and it, it's fair if he was a free agent. If he was a free agent right now, he or if he was a free agent in the same age as Brandon Nimmo, I guess I should say, it'd be fair to assume he'd get a very similar deal as what Nimmo just got, if not maybe a little better. Yeah. And and I think I mean, that's, and I agree with that. So I think that's where people, if you understand what I'm saying, Alex, is they're just kind of getting lost in the weeds of if you either don't want to extend Brian Reynolds or there's just arguments that are going back and forth. I know, I know, I know Twitter's not, you know, real world. But just on each side that, you know, one part, it's like, you know what? I, I wouldn't sign him to that 10-year deal. Then it's like, well, you hate Brian Reynolds and he sucks. And it's just like, well, no, I just I just don't know what, you know, the value would be. And, and I don't know. And, and nobody knows exactly what he's asking for anyway. No, I, I at least don't know what the asking price is. And trust me, that was one of my white whales at the winter meetings. <laughs> You're like, I am going to go to that lobby and I am yeah. going to hope that somebody just falls into my lap and just sits down and goes, man, I can't believe Reynolds didn't take X, Y, and Z. didn't take blank, yes. Or <laughs> I can't believe that he's expecting blank. Yeah, I, I wish I had something that I could share with that. I, I don't. Yeah, and, the, and that's and, well, and I we, wouldn't expect that to be out it, there. It was more than what Hayes was offered or yeah. what Hayes took. Yeah, and I mean, that's just kind of what it's out there is it's more than $70 million and – no years known and no actual number known. Yeah. All right, Alex. Well, you know what? I, I do appreciate you jumping on here, brother. Uh, for those that don't, please go follow Alex uh, once again at Alex J. Stumpf. And that's on Twitter. Uh, and go listen to his podcast. Alex, looking forward to everything that you write uh, in this offseason. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if you're up for it again, man, would love to have you back on again. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks for having me on. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.